Welcome to the Wellness Journey podcast from the St. John Vianney Center. I'm Dr. Mariette Danilo, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to journey with you through these challenging times and to hopefully provide you with information that will help sustain you. Our podcasts are aimed at keeping you healthy in mind, body, and spirit. This is podcast 16. The title of today's podcast is The Power of Resilience, Part 3, Relationships. Well, hello again. It's good to be back with you. We've been talking about resilience. We've defined it. And now we're talking about its characteristics. That is what it is comprised of. If you hope to be resilient, what qualities would you need? The good news is, as we said, this can be learned and should be practiced. There are many people who research this. And I have chosen to focus on the PERMA model used by Dr. Martin Seligman of the University of Pennsylvania. The P in the acronym PERMA stands for positive emotions, and the E is for engagement. We reviewed those in the last two podcasts. Today, I'm going to talk about what I personally consider to be the most powerful predictor of resilience and for your well-being, relationships. I talked a good deal about this in an earlier podcast on loneliness, but there's so much more to say. So let's get started. Martin Seligman is considered by many to be the father of positive psychology. And positive psychology is very much about other people and the quality of our relationships with them. Social relationships are vital. Building positive relationships with parents, siblings, peers, friends, co-workers, and others provides support and strengthens our immune systems. They can even make a difference in our longevity and whether or not we become or remain ill. And according to researchers, a rich social life may protect against dementia by providing emotional and mental stimulation. Did you know that if we even perceive a risk of being isolated, if there's even a chance of being isolated, pain centers in our brains become activated. So there's a very strong relationship between the quality of our relationships and our well-being. And notice I say the quality of our relationships. I quoted Brene Brown on the Loneliness Podcast as follows. She said, Connection is why we're here. We are hardwired to connect with others. It's what gives purpose and meaning to our lives. And without it, there is suffering. And this, of course, is consistent with what we know about our faith. 
that we are designed to relate to other people. And Brene says elsewhere that I define connection as the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued, when they can give and receive without judgment, and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. So who encourages healthy behaviors for you? Who is supportive? And that doesn't always mean being a yes man and someone agreeing with everything you do and say. In fact, we know from our Christ model that this is not the case. So who wants you to be the best you can be? Who seeks your good and says what needs to be said in order to help you get there? Who brings you closer to God? How do you feel around this person? We'll take a, a look at this in a minute, but first let's talk about your second most important relationship. Your first important relationship, the most important relationship is with God. And I'll assume for this podcast that you are connected to the vine and you're at peace with that most important and fundamental of all relationships. So let's talk now about your relationship with yourself. Do you possess a healthy relationship with you? Self-awareness is a vital part of emotional intelligence and a necessary prerequisites for all relationships with others. An understanding of yourself is necessary for healthy relationships with others. If you don't like you, you probably won't like most people. And this begins in our families of origin. When we were very young, we learned if we could trust. Did those who parented us provide reliable, consistent, and predictable care? Could we trust that we were safe and cared for? As we grew up in our families, did we learn that we were lovable? Those early years set the tone for the remainder of our lives and even the image we may have of God. But if you did not have a good childhood, you can turn it around through learning self-awareness. This is a topic in and of itself, but let's say for now it is possible for you to have and maintain healthy relationships. So let's begin with yourself. My mother used to say to me when I was young and I was being difficult, I know you can't believe that, but sometimes I was difficult. And she used to say to me, you need to have a talk with yourself. Now, what did she mean by that? She meant do a self-examination. Take a look at yourself in the mirror. You know, I always felt happy after I examined my conscience and fessed up. If I had apologies to make or offenses to mend, I felt, well, I felt cleansed. And Catholics are lucky 
to have the confessional. And research shows that although shame, which tells us we are bad and unworthy, shame is toxic, research tells us that guilt is a good thing, that guilt is healthy, as it tells us I did something wrong and I can do better. We are healthy if we could admit our mistakes and say, I'm sorry, or I don't know, or I need help. We are strong if we can allow ourselves to be vulnerable. In another podcast, I quoted the philosopher Rumi, who said about intimacy, your task is not to seek intimacy but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. And so we need to check in regularly and cleanse our own lens so that we may see others more clearly. In a minute, I'll talk about what happens when we don't do that. But first, Let's talk about what we look for in a quality relationship. Trust. Number one is trust. Can we let our hair down around this person? Have they seen and accepted us good, bad, and ugly? Or are they fair weather friends, only around when everything's going well? Do they come around only when they want something? Are they there for you when you are in need? Can they hold a confidence? Can you trust them with personal information? Your ability to trust is the foundation of any good relationship. Another one is respect. Does this person respect you? Do they respect your right to disagree? Your right to make your own decisions? Do they respect your boundaries? Can you say no to them? Do they believe they are better than you in some way because of your gender, your age, your occupation, social class, education, etc., etc.? Do they listen in a way that doesn't condemn you? Are they open and honest with you? Can they bear their soul to you? Do they put their cards on the table and tell it like it is? Can they be vulnerable with you? Do they listen in a way that tells you they believe you are fatally flawed, imperfect, and hopeless? Or do they have empathy because they know they too are imperfect? Communication, very, very important. Can you disagree agreeably? Do you feel issues are readily resolved? Conflict is normal and healthy and can transform relationships and whole communities when it's dealt with and addressed properly. And I'll say that again, conflict is normal and healthy and can transform relationships and whole communities 
when dealt with and addressed properly. In another minute, I'll be talking about what unhealthy communication looks like. And the good news is communication skills can be learned for those who are willing. Does the relationship nourish you and give you energy? Do you feel hopeful and positive or do you feel drained and depleted after interacting with this individual? How do you feel when you are around this person? Sometimes we may experience headaches or stomach problems before, during, or after spending time with them. In the podcast I mentioned about loneliness, I talked about how sometimes I think of Superman and how he was weakened and his strength depleted by kryptonite. And when this happened, he lost his mission. He wasn't able to do what he was put here to do. Who is your kryptonite? Whether it be a personality disorder or simply a difficult person, here are some red flags to watch out for. Healthy people are open to change, but sometimes there are others that for maybe psychological reasons or spiritual reasons or uh, for reasons that indicate they may need assistance in doing this, some other people simply have to be managed. But that's a topic for another day again. So here are some red flags. Drama. Probably the biggest sign that someone is going to be a problem is if they bring drama to situations. They create chaos, confusion, and they tend to move in the opposite direction of attempts to resolve conflict. Interactions or minor misunderstandings are not resolved, but instead they're unnecessarily prolonged and exaggerated. You just can't seem to get anywhere. Next is silent treatment. We've all experienced this. This is quite simply verbal abuse. It allows the person to control the situation not be accountable, not be responsible, and it tells the victim that he or she is not worth talking to. And when the individual is ready to resume talking, the conflict is usually swept under the rug and never seems to get resolved. This is extremely damaging to the victim. Sometimes the perpetrator will enlist others to ignore the victim. And this is seen in many examples of bullying behavior. We also see this in cases of domestic violence. Remember we talked about how damaging isolation is? If there is no support for the victim, he or she is at risk for stress and in extreme cases, self-destructive behavior. The silent treatment is never acceptable. Gaslighting. 
Named after the movie Gaslight with Ingrid Bergman and Charles Boyer, where Boyer plays a character that was deliberately trying to make Bergman think she was going crazy. This is a technique used to make someone doubt and question their own sense of reality. They will feel off-center as their sense of reality becomes distorted. You may be told, that didn't happen, or I don't remember saying that. She didn't do that, and on and on, even if you saw it with your own eyes and heard it with your own ears. You doubt your own perception. Over time, the victim can begin to feel in the wrong, crazy, or mentally diminished. Again, very destructive. Never accepting blame. Uh, we see this a lot in personality disorder people, but there are people, others who just do this in, in their everyday communication. And the person here does not take responsibility for his or her actions. And they may blame you for their anger, their irritability, or their bad behavior. Everything is the fault of someone or something else. An example would be, I wouldn't drink so much if you didn't stress me out, or I wouldn't drink so much or take drugs if you didn't nag me. Or I scream at you because I had a bad childhood and that's what my parents did. The next one is very important um, and it has to do with empathy. Again, there are personality disordered people who do not have empathy. Some are capable, some are not. But when someone lacks empathy, this is a big one. This person could be on the autism spectrum or have a personality disorder, or just need to learn. But sometimes people can mimic empathy, but not really feel it. So eventually you learn that it's just not there. This is a person who you call up and say, I can't drive you to the mall today because I broke my arm last night, I'm in the hospital. And they say, well, how am I gonna get there? Who's gonna drive me? <laughs> That's comical, but the lack of empathy is um, very, very hurtful. So some other red flags and forms of verbal abuse and communication are as follows. Blocking and diverting. Okay, so having a conversation or confronting someone who does this is like trying to nail jello to a wall. They will try to control communication by not answering questions, changing the subject, derailing the, the topic at hand, uh, maybe making a direct statement like, where did you get such a crazy idea? Or you think you know everything? Or you're being mean to me? Or I don't like your tone. So now you go on the defensive and try to explain your goodwill, but notice, the real issue never gets addressed. Sometimes we can forget what we were talking about. Next is trivializing and minimizing. You may be accused of making mountains out of molehills when they just made a molehill out of a mountain. 
This not only derails the main issue you wanted to address, but it says in so many words that what you want or have done is insignificant. And to make matters worse, this could be done in a very serious tone where someone convinces you that they're telling you this for your own good. You then walk away feeling very wrong and very diminished. Abusive anger. The feeling of anger is normal. What we do with that feeling is what is important and what defines us. Inappropriate outbursts, tantrums, and explosions are never acceptable. And some people can try to control us with their anger. We can even be afraid to set boundaries for these people to say no or to disagree because there'll be an explosion. Again, this involves inappropriate and sometimes scary displays of anger or meltdowns that can shut down others who wish to be heard. If you don't feel safe, you need to get help right away. But know that this anger is meant to silence you. Undermining. This not only withholds emotional support, but it also erodes our confidence. An example of undermining would be if you said to someone, I just love watching the sunrise. And their response would be, you know, that's a waste of time when you could be working and the kitchen really needs to be cleaned. There are so many examples of this, both extreme and subtle. I hope you understand what I mean. The next one is verbal abuse disguised as jokes. We've all experienced this. And this is one someone, sometimes people do this and they didn't mean to do it, but sometimes it's meant, um, it's not meant uh, to be um, supportive of us. It's meant, it's, it's malicious. And this is when someone's being funny at your expense. And when you call them on it, they, they say, you're too sensitive. A healthy person might say, gosh, I'm so sorry. That was insensitive of me. But notice that someone who does not have your best interest at heart will blame you for being too sensitive. An example of this might be, I always think of Big Bird when you wear yellow, or you could have been a doctor with this handwriting. It's a put down, really. Next is name calling. This is never acceptable. Some examples are, you're a dumb blonde, or you're a space cadet, or you're ugly or stupid, or uh, anything that accuses you of either being or uh, being um, less than. And the list goes on. There's a long list of names that people could be called. You're crazy. Um, you, you don't have it right. It, it's, um, it's a very long list, and I'm sure we've all experienced this. So these are just a few red flags. There are many other examples of red flags for unhealthy behaviors, but 
when dealing with others, pay close attention to your gut. Our bodies talk to us by making us uncomfortable in some way when we sense that someone is not acting in our best interest. And most importantly, if we sense that someone might even be dangerous to our well-being and to our, our physical well-being. So listen to that little voice inside you. Remember, everyone listening today has a mission in life, has something that God wants them to do. And these sorts of relationships and this sort of stress and these sorts of wounds can really, really pull you away from the work you need to do. And so listen to that little voice and be discerning about your relationships. Remember Proverbs 4.23. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Till next time. You've been listening to the Wellness Journey podcast from the St. John Vianney Center. I hope today's podcast, The Power of Resilience, Part 3, Relationships, proves useful to you. You can find all our podcasts and get additional information and resources for clergy and religious by visiting our website at sjvcenter.org. Remember, we are companions on the journey to stay healthy in mind, body, and spirit. We are the St. John Vianney Center, and our mission is you.